0: screws loose then strip the bolts on them, Should have never sent him to pick up the word for sprayed the park and had my shit inside the car. Mark a smart boy was shooting with a thirty six on him. Said if it wasn't in a rush, they was all gone as curse on his chest. He was gone showing John. Greetings, Chudlings. Welcome to another episode of Chuddy's Corner. I'm your host for the night, King Chuddy. Joined by Nick Perino, our sponsor, co founder, and co host for the second time this year. Nick, how are we doing?
1: Doing good. I'm glad that I actually have a competitive game to talk about last time I was here. was um, <laughs> the Bulls. I mean, it was the in season tournament. Right. That pleasure, was one of the most exciting so games of the year. <laughs> it was an exciting game, but there wasn't much to talk about game wise. So True. Uh, I'm glad we can. Um, I could actually take some notes past the first quarter of this time.
0: <laughs> that is very fair. So, as Nick is alluding to, we are uh, it's just past 10 o'clock on the East Coast, Tuesday, December 12th. Uh, we just watched the Celtics. Beat the Cleveland Cavaliers 120 to 113, improving the Celtics record to 17 and 5 on the year. Now 11 at 0 at home in TD Garden, the only team to have an undefeated home record. Uh, it was a good game, I would say, arguably even closer than the final score. We will get into all of that. Uh, but first, a reminder as always, please. Follow the show, wherever you get your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Google, YouTube, Podbean. We are everywhere. Follow the show, subscribe, like, rate, review, whatever you want to tell us. Leave a comment, ask a question, engage in the polls. We love it. The more, the merrier. Of course, you can also follow us on Twitter. The show is at Chuddy's Corner. I'm at King Chuddy. Nick is at underscore Nick Perino. And our other co-host who was absent tonight, of course, at Doug underscore outs. Dugouts, uh he finally hit his first Chuddy Bar parlay of the season. Huge shout out to Doug outs. He uh celebrated a little too bit too hard after finally finally winning some cash for the Chudlings. So he uh he is a little too uh let's just say he celebrated a little bit too hard. Not able to join us on the pod, but we uh Huge, huge hat tip to Dugouts for hitting the parlay. I, I have a feeling this is the start of, a, of an epic hot streak. So now is the time to jump in. If, you, if you've been riding all this way, it's finally paid off tonight, and it's only going to keep paying off. So shouts to Dugouts. Shout to the Chuddy Bar Parlay for hitting. Um, like I was saying, follow us all on Twitter. Follow the show. Of course, joined by Nick Perino, also our sponsor. Go to nickperino.com. You'll find the Chuddy's Corner blog there. You can get all the podcast episodes, all the archives, all the blogs, including my own weekly Power Rankings, fresh edition coming out every Monday. Check us out there. And, of course, it's also your home for all of your real estate needs. This man, Nick Perino, as long as he's not recording this podcast, he is available to help you with your real estate needs 24-7, anywhere in the world, Anything you want, buying, selling, renting, home invasions, whatever you want to do, he will help you out. Um, If that last part is not true, then disregard. But anyway, that's the lowdown with that. So, Nick, uh, you you said you were able to take some notes. Why don't you jump into this game? Again, the Celtics, 120-113 win over the Cleveland Cavaliers. The Cavs were on the second night of a back-to-back as they lost last night in Orlando. They were also without Evan Mobley. But, uh, I mean, they gave a more, more than valiant effort. You wouldn't have known it. Uh, they came. They played us hard. Good, hard-fought battle and a nice win for the Celtics. So what are your thoughts on that one?
1: So, like you said, they were coming off a back-to-back Celtics off a very long layover, obviously. Mm. Um, and I feel like the way it started first quarter was kind of how, you know, games like this start with a team coming off the back-to-back and a team off a long layover. The team that's coming off the back-to-back – feel like they try to come out hot, try to come out fast because, you know, maybe they, you know, they probably realize that they're coming off the back-to-back. They're less rest, so they might want to see if they can get a jump and, um, you know, take a big lead, which is what they did. Celtics came out a little slow, you know, seeming a little bit rusty or whatever, um, a little bit lazy, a little bit sloppy. It was obviously ugly. We think we were down 15 at one point in the first I think it was like 20 um, to 4 or something at one point. It was. Yeah. So, I mean, 15, 16, something. Well, their biggest lead was, was 15, so you're right. But, yeah. Well into the double digits. So, you know, there was some lazy passes like that uh, Porzingis to Drew picked off by Donovan Mitchell mm. for an easy dong. Like the first play of the game. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Was it the first? Yeah. First, first like or second? Of the first yeah, yeah. or second. Was... Um, and then, you know, I think we, we ended up calling a timeout. And then immediately at a turnover, Porzingis just like threw it out of bounds or wasn't anybody there. <laughs> You hate turning it over out of timeouts. Um, if it wasn't for Jalen, I think you know we were—he was three for three. The rest of the team was over. You know what? Halfway through the first. At one it was, point, it was
0: twenty-seven ten Cleveland or twenty-seven twelve Cavs, and Jalen had ten of the points, and right, <laughs> he had correct. all our field goals until so, I think about the two-minute mark. Tatum finally hit a layup. Was our first non non Jalen field goal.
1: So we did have a lot of decent looks, though. Um, wasn't like we were taking awful shots. It was just you know. Uh, back rim, whatever. Just they weren't falling. Um, but I, I like that Joe came out pretty active once he realized that you know shots weren't falling and we started falling behind a little bit. He was very active on the substitutions. Kind of seemed like he was maybe rotating people in and out a little faster than he normally would. I don't know if that's uh, if that's actually reality or not. It just kind of <laughs> seemed like in real time. Um, but he, I think he was just trying to get you know the right some sort of chemistry going to try find the right people that could break us out of it. And uh, ultimately, you know, we did. We finished down 10 after the end of the first, which was, um, you know, it could have been much worse. It seemed like it was yeah. much worse. So um, towards the end, we started ratcheting up the defense a little more. Uh, stopped the bleeding. Tatum started going to the hoop. It was pretty solid finish to the first quarter, but overall it was a little bit gross.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think it's uh it's fair to say I think that first quarter was definitely a little gross. It's probably an understatement. We told it ended 31-21. 21 I think was our lowest first quarter scoring output of the season. It seems like every game we come out pretty hot with that starting lineup. Um and yeah, for whatever reason, like you said, it just it just wasn't working. There was some sloppiness I thought on both ends. I thought the defense Got lost a few times. Um, it seemed like the Cavs were backdoor cutting us to death, kind of getting layups all left and right in that first quarter, and then they got hot. Um, from the outside, Garland and Mitchell, and just started making shots. You know, Max Strus is coming in, hitting shots. And Jared Allen had a couple monstrous dunks, so they were getting kind of whatever they wanted on offense. It was a little like that Knicks game last Friday, where it seemed like they were just getting in the paint way too easily. Uh, our pick and roll coverage a little suspect. I know we were happy to live with this deep drop and for the most part it's been working, but when you see two guards like Garland and Mitchell who can, you know, they come off those screens and when Porzingis is that far back, they're pulling up and they were both both pretty hot early, hitting a ton of shots, they got comfortable. Um and then they can kind of go into the lane. They both had that floater game going and again, when we kind of sent help, it seemed like guys are cutting back door left and right for layups. We were doing a tough job keeping track. So, like you said, honestly, after the first quarter it felt worse than 31-21. It felt Like they were on pace to score about forty points or so um, in that quarter, and we couldn't just couldn't hit a shot. I didn't hate the offensive execution. Um, Last night, last game was Porzingis' first game back. He did not show any rust at all. He came out so hot, but tonight. I thought we did see a little bit of that rust. Well, I mean, I don't know if it was rust or what have you, but I thought it was Porzingis on offense in that first half. It took him a while. I don't think he had a field goal until the second half. Uh, he just had the two free throws. It was just, he looked a little out of sorts. He just, his shot was just a tiny bit off. And again, for the most part, like you said, it was kind of Jalen driving and, Everyone else was missing. Uh, Pritchard came in, though, I thought, hit a couple shots, kind of got the offense going. Then in the second quarter, our offense just absolutely took off. 38 points. Like you said, Tatum, he got that first rest. He had missed a couple shots. He came in, and it was like he had just realized from the bench, like, oh, I can just drive at these guys left and right. And they have good, uh, you know, Mobley's probably their best defensive player. Obviously, wasn't there. Jared Allen's a really good rim protector. But beyond that, they don't have a ton of great defenders. Actually, Dean Wade, shout-out Dean Wade. He's done a really good job defending. And, Struce, you know, those guys play over their head, they'll fight, whatever, but they really shouldn't have the personnel to stop Brown and Tatum, certainly, on the perimeter, and I think uh, the Jays realized that, started attacking, and that's really when things started to shift in our direction, um, you know, had it all the way back, again, 38-point second quarter for the Celtics, I think we took a s- small lead into the half, third quarter, Kind of the same as uh, the first, where the Cavs, I I mentioned in the beginning of the first quarter and the beginning of the third quarter, they had separate 13-2 runs, and it felt like kind of the same. Just deep drop coverage, kind of daring them to, to pull up, and they were. They were just doing an amazing job coming off those screens, hitting shots. I mean, Mitchell seems like he always plays well against us. Uh, he had another great game tonight. Again, Garland did too. Those guys, um, you know, and we were, try- I think, trying to change some things up. But it seemed like essentially when Al was coming in, uh, things kind of shifted around. And, I mean, obviously, Al able to switch more. He can guard a little more on the perimeter. He can come up a little higher on those screens. And it seemed like just a little more ball pressure and a little more resistance at the point of the initial screen uh, was helping our defense a lot but they were just staying in it with three-point shooting. The Cavs are not usually a great offense, not usually a great three-point shooting team. They actually outshot us from the three-point line, 19 threes to our 18. They were 19-45, 42% from the three-point line. That's a great three-point shooting game for the Cavs. Um, The Celtics were 18-44 after a super slow start, so things did kind of round into shape. Uh, Hauser had a stretch where he was super hot. Derek had a few stretches where he was super hot. Um, That helped us out, obviously, but really I thought it was kind of our toughness and physicality where it seems like if if anything in some of these games the Celtics have been the ones getting bullied but we were kind of the aggressors tonight uh to hit 26 of 26 free throws which for something that we've discussed a couple times that free throws have been a concern on some occasions tonight I mean again getting to the line 26 times is awesome making every single free throw is obviously amazing compared to the cavs who only shot 6 out of 9 free throws so to have that big of an advantage i mean you could say that's the difference in the game right there and then again you know we're concerned i know mobley's out but still there's a big team we're concerned about kind of winning the paint battle we out-rebounded them by 10 45 35 and doubled them up on the offensive glass too 12 offensive rebounds to 6 so if you look up and down, we kind of did everything we needed to. Honestly, I thought they largely just stayed in it with some incredible shot-making and playmaking, mostly by Garland and Mitchell, but uh, ultimately in the fourth quarter... Seemed like finally the Celtics figured it out on defense. I thought the defensive intensity in the whole fourth quarter was great. I'm sure part of that, again, the back to back was finally, probably, finally catching up to those guys, Garland and Mitchell. They only had one basket each in the fourth combined four points in the four, uh, five points in the fourth quarter. So I think the legs finally caught up with them. But I do think a lot of it was our uh, our defense, and it just seemed like it was swarming. We were coming up to pressure the ball so much higher. We finally kind of came out of that drop and started. Um, actually kind of hedging at least at least meeting them on the level on some of those high pick and rolls we weren't just letting them walk into uncontested jumpers um and we've seen this a couple times i mean specifically in that hawks game where it seemed like trey was killing us with the drop coverage the same thing he was just getting whatever he want with that pull up and that float game and in the fourth quarter we finally came out and switched it seemed like the same thing like joe has been super stubborn to come out of it which again for the most part it's been working and usually I think we'll live with guys just relying on pull up jumpers Um, but I think eventually it gets to the point especially when the game's tight in the fourth you got to change things and the Celtics were more than up to the task it started with Al and then they put Chris Tapps in and and Chris Tapps did a really good job he really showed me something uh, coming up over some of those screens helping out on the ball and taking away those easy shots and driving lanes Um, and we just completely kind of stymied them and stopped everything they were trying to do in the fourth and the Celtics just kept pushing kept attacking kept getting shots in Side kept getting to the line and then finally hit a few threes. Um, Jalen had that beautiful corner pass to Derek, hit that three to go up 118-108. That was kind of the dagger, and um the Celtics were able to hold on. So again, I wouldn't I wouldn't I don't know if I'd call this like if it's technically considered a crunch time win, or I don't know how those like clutch time stats win, but I'd say like most of that fourth quarter was very close game. Um, and the Celtics were just better on both ends, kept kept stop after stop after stop, weren't giving up many second chance points, and uh really good execution on offense. So I think a lot of things again, kind of similarly to that Knicks game last week. It was a slow start, a lot of kind of discouraging things, but uh, overall able to come away with a good win over a good team, and again, really, really winning the battle in the fourth quarter is great to
1: see. Yeah, the the Cavs are, I mean, you know, they are what they are. They're a good team. They're fun to fun to watch. They always play us hard. Mm-hmm. Um, that that Garland and Mitchell front court is it's pretty good. I mean, they're fun to watch. Backcourt. Backcourt. I mean, um, they're uh, they both have balls. I mean, I like watching them play, especially Donovan start the. I think he he went on a what was it eleven to two run to start the yeah. third, and then yeah. you know, it was the the third quarter woes. We were I was worried, and I know a lot of people <laughs> get worried the third quarter, but yeah. we actually I, I don't know if, who won the third quarter. And I think we the won the third thirty 35 35-32. We
0: came back second half of okay. the third quarter. We we really turned it on offensively. But, um, yeah,
1: so we start. Obviously, we started out. You know, we mm-hmm. didn't start out so hot, and that's when you know people. I'm sure people started to panic. I know I did. But um, <laughs> after that, we kind of we settled down. After that, um, Zingis, Porzingis was he came on probably himself. his best. Yeah, he came on the second. I think he took over the third pretty much. He had 13 points, I think, in the quarter. Yeah, but he was also. Um, he was hitting the glass probably more so than I yeah, think he, he has most of the season. Mm-hmm. He was rebounding well. I don't know what he finished with, but he was probably but close he to 10 rebounds. Seven, but. He had a 7 or 8 at least. But, uh, yeah, oh, but they I were like strong.
0: Yeah. Oh, no, he did have 10 rebounds. You're right. 10 boards. But they were yeah. strong rebounds. It was, it was like the eye test. He was mm-hmm. going up and battling contested rebounds over guys like Jared Allen yeah. and Tristan Thompson who are, you know, big bruisers down there, usually not the kind of guys he's winning rebounding battles with. But, no, you're right. It was like yeah. he committed yeah. to – Rebounding, which obviously is great to see. Even if he
1: wasn't, even if he wasn't, you know, getting the rebounds too, he was getting his hands in there and, you know, yeah, fouled down low like, a know, couple was, times. Yep, yeah, and um, he was actually playing. One thing I don't usually see is him playing a post game versus an actual big man, which yeah. he posted up Jared Allen at least two times that I can remember, mm-hmm. and pretty effectively. I think he got fouled yeah. on one of them, maybe two, I know he scored on one of them. He, he had. A few post ups on Jared Allen, which is I think I mean, seeming it seems like it's rare for him to do that. I know he backs I know he uh Yeah I know he, he posts up like, you know, guards of smaller players all the time mismatch, but he doesn't usually go, you know, challenge big men. But um so that was nice to see. Yeah. Um and you know, it's nice to see that, you know, a player like Porzingis, you know, the reason we got him is someone that can, you know, get hot other than Jalen or Jason, mm-hmm. someone, you know, in the third quarter, someone that can take over a quarter, basically, which, you know, we've had players that can do that, but in theory, you know, he's been our best, option No, we really, <laughs> we really haven't. We really haven't. Right. I mean, we've had, when I'm, I'm saying, like, you know, we could have, you know, like, uh, Derek White can score, like, 10 and a quarter, or, like, Marcus could hit a few big shots, but we haven't had, like, yeah. an actual true third scorer, like Porzingis, who can take over no. a game for a few quarters. For sure. And... Another thing with Porzingis, too, is his. I've been surprised with his passing. Um, He's a better passer, I'd say, than I thought. Um, Again, I mean, you know, I haven't really seen – I didn't watch too many Wizards games last year. But um, (laughs) he's – I mean, maybe it's just because he has good players to play with, too. But him and Jalen in the back door still has been deadly. I think he had one or two of those. uh, They had another nice one tonight, yeah. So I was really happy with with, uh, Porzingis' game. And this was one of my favorite – Drew holiday games for some reason of the season i'd say i don't I know why but i just really feel like slow. he started slow but like on both uh, ends he again, made some
0: uncharacteristically bad defensive plays i thought fell asleep a couple times um and was just bricking shots and it was like i was almost like all right drew like wake up what's happening but yeah that he obviously came on yes
1: but second half it was pretty basically him and porzingis in the third quarter but um Mm-hmm. He for a couple of minutes, a couple you know, a short stretch, he took over the game pretty much on both ends. And the defense he was playing was unbelievable. Made a few big shots. I like the way he was you know, when he was running the offense, he was making the right passes, um, you know, set people up and you know, he was hitting his, you know, threes or whatever and uh obviously his little back down left hand sky <laughs> up, whatever that thing is, was yeah. Continued Routine. to be deadly. Um mm-hmm. So there were, you know, it was a good contribution from a lot of players. Jalen obviously played well. Tatum played well. Um, I think too, I don't know if you mentioned it, but Pritchard in the second quarter. I think you said at the end yeah. of the first, he hit a shot, and then also to begin the second quarter, he had that big strip on the fast break. Yeah. Uh, had a steal that led to a Tatum dunk. Mm-hmm. I think that's what cut it to four, and they went to t- uh, they took a timeout. So yeah, Pritchard. Pritchard I-, I thought had a Pritchard big was and getting us back in this game Um, you know Hauser did his thing hit open threes or whatever so it was very good team effort Um, Al played you know like continued to play like a 27 year old just like (laughs) seems to have endless energy yeah Derek hit three straight threes uh, yeah in the second quarter I think it was I mean it was just like everybody had their moment it seemed like Um, so it's you know it's nice to have a game like that where I don't think anyone really you know Truly struggled. I think everyone contributed to this win. Um, I mean, first quarter. I think a lot of people kind of struggled. Everyone
0: struggled. Everyone um, but Jalen struggled in the first quarter, and yeah, like everyone from, but Jalen struggled. From that point on, everyone was was really yeah. good.
1: And then maybe you know, maybe towards the end, the Cavs kind of lost their legs a little bit. Maybe that back to back kind of caught up to them. But you got to give them credit. I mean, they they hang around. I mean, doesn't matter if they had their legs or not. But they were. You know they kept hitting bad, uh, hitting big shots. I mean, we'd go down and seemingly hit a dagger. They'd come back and Garland would hit three <laughs> or whatever, or yeah, Strews well yeah. or whatever. It just they don't they don't back down. They're they play hard. They're you know they're a solid team, um, especially without Mobley. You know their their defense is like very heavily, uh, you know, it revolves around the two bigs, you know, Jared Allen and Mobley. I mean. Obviously, right. the perimeter defenders aren't great. Well, so, you know, and Mobley's kind of the Swiss good... Army
0: knife because he can play right. inside up a little bit. He can play outside a little bit. I mean, he's the guy – he's really the, the ceiling raiser for this team. He's the guy who can take them over the hump if he takes another step. And, I mean, he's been good, but – there's another level that, that they think he can reach and that he's shown, you know, glimpses of being able to reach. And obviously we didn't see him tonight. I don't know. Uh, we play the Cavs again in this little mini series. We play him again at home our next game on Thursday. So we'll see if he's back for that one. I know he's been day to day. You know, I wouldn't mind from a competitive standpoint seeing this team at, at full health. But they really are an interesting team because when you see Garland and Mitchell both have it like they did tonight, you wonder, like, how are these guys not better? <laughs> um and then again with Allen and Mobley in the front court it's like they have two great guards, two great bigs. It seems like if they had any semblance of of decent wing players, they'd be such a good team, but um you know, they tried, they went on, obviously got Struess, and Struess is fine and he made a few of those backbreaking threes. Um a couple of those, you know, it's like I feel like every offensive rebound they find Struess for a three and it's just an absolute killer. Um but as much as it was just pissing like me Miami off, well, year. I was just gonna say, as much as it was pissing me off every time that happened, I was also getting a little happy that he's not on Miami anymore. <laughs> um, right. But it is interesting because usually these guys ha- have gonna breakouts in Miami and they leave and they're never heard of again. So we'll be interesting. But again, I mean, if, if I, you know, I feel like last time we got sidetracked on our last pod, you and I talking about the Bulls for a while, and I don't want to go too far talking about the Cavs, especially when we play them again in a couple nights, but if ever there was a team who felt like it might be worth it to go overpay to try to get like OG and or someone, um, if they could just get like that ideal kind of wing guy who would fit perfectly on both ends, like this team could be really good. Um, I don't know if that's realistic or not, but they, man, they really feel like they're one piece away, but as long as they have, you know, they're relying on Struce, uh, Levert, Levert, who always seems to kill us, and he had a few, <laughs> a few other nice moments tonight, but it seems like a lot of these guys, I guess, only play well against the Celtics. Um, but, yeah, man, with those with those two guards and those two pigs, it feels like they should be better. And, I, I mean, they've been good. They were the four seed last year, and after a slow start, they've come on lately. But um, it just feels like there is a little something to be desired. And, again, I know those two guys are, you know, kind of streaky. They're not going to play this well every night. It was funny in the first half, Scal, <laughs> Mitchell started off hot, and Scal was like... Is Mitchell a top five guy in the league? It's just like, what? Like, what the, hell? what the hell is he talking about? Where did that come from? It I was mean, weird. you would
1: think he was if you just judged him on games he played well, you yeah, the Well,
0: yeah, exactly. Because so. Well, then that's what it seemed like because he was saying, he was like, oh, yeah, averages like 42 points a game in the Garden. And it's like, all right, Scal clearly only watches Mitchell <laughs> when he plays the Celtics. But, uh,
1: yeah, it was pretty that's funny. Scal, he's, on the, West, he's, he's not on the West Coast anymore. He should be able to watch, uh, watch a few more of his games now that he's playing in Cleveland.
0: Yeah, I, I, you would think so, but um. anyway, that was just a little Cavs tangent about their team. We'll see if see if they have any tricks up their sleeve uh, while well, they've got these kind of high-end talent. But yeah, they always play us well. I think they play a lot of teams well. We'll see if they can kind of do it in the playoffs. I mean, the thing was, though, again, when the Celtics kind of made some shifts and seemed like we really cranked up our defense, we were getting stops at will. We'll see, you know, on Thursday and whatever how much of that was just them getting tired, the back-to-back catching up with them, but I thought, um, you know, after those – Especially down the stretch, but a lot of um, the second quarter and then a little bit at the end of the third quarter, the Celtics defense was just awesome. Um, And that was like as active as I've seen us moving and with our hands, maybe all season finished with nine blocks and nine steals, which it just seems incredible. And it seemed like there was even some more plays, like there was a few of those uh, where it seemed like they had fast breaks and we would come from behind. You mentioned the one where Pritchard came in and stripped him. Uh, Jalen had one where he stripped Jared Allen on the way up. Tatum had another nice one where he stripped Mitchell. Um, It just seemed like super active hands. Drew, obviously is an absolute menace. Derek White, I don't know if there's a stat, but he has to lead the league in just sneaking up behind people and poking the ball away, either right off a rebound or when they're trying to dribble up. But it seems like he does a, once or twice a game. Um, Pritchard did that one tonight, obviously, too. But uh,
1: just, get on that one.
0: Yeah, we'll have the intern see if that's even something you can measure. If not, we'll just have him watch every, uh, every minute of every NBA game this season and track it manually. <laughs> um, but again, just great to see as a team. We feel like we've gotten a little bit away from those active hands um, and they were super active tonight um, and we needed them. So forcing again, I mean, nine steals, nine blocks is, is crazy to have 18 of those 18 stocks. And I think, I think everyone in our starting lineup had at least three steals plus blocks, which is just crazy. And again, some of those where it feels like they're knocking the ball away um, out of bounds. Like again, I mentioned the play where Tatum, I think it was chased down the fast break and knocked it out of bounds. And that doesn't even go in the stat book as anything, but is essentially saving, you know, st- stopping a layup. So huge plays. Um, and it just felt like it in the fourth, every time we needed one, um, we really got it again. I mean, holding them to 21 points only in the fourth quarter with the way that they had it going for basically the entire game leading up to that point was, was just awesome to see. And it's good to see that as our team has kind of changed over the years, and we've kind of leaned into now becoming this offensive juggernaut. Uh, it's good to see that we can still win games and close games out on the back of our defense.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's going to come down to, to defense like it usually does. Um, I mean, not come down just, you know, Specifically a defense, but I think, you know, when we're at our best, it's when we're playing, when we're clamping down. And we have the individual defenders, obviously. Um, It's just a matter of, you know, making sure we can put it all together. Mm -hmm. You know, time for the playoffs, obviously. But when we do put it together, it's a thing of beauty. Um, Because, you know, like we have, you know, maybe the best defender in the game. Um, Tatum's great. You know, down down the whole roster. Derek White. We have the individual defenders. It's just about making sure that we're all on the same page, um, you know, figuring out mm-hmm. how to play with each other. And obviously when we do that, we look we look awesome. Um,
0: yeah. And I think so and... much of it is just our pick and roll coverage, too. And I mean, it's a it's a pretty big change to go from now playing this deep drop with Porzingis. So I think Porzingis has been really good, but it's a, yes. it's a bit of a schematic shift. And, and it, you know, I think it's an adjustment just getting used to playing that way. And again, there's going to be games like this where we play these awesome guards. Like I said, again, uh, Trey Young did it to us for a while. um, And obviously we saw it tonight with both of these guys a little bit. And I think it's just kind of one of those things where... I think we're gonna be like okay kind of living with us and almost daring saying like you know if a team can consistently beat us this way for four quarters off the pick and roll then like we'll tip our hats to them and again we've seen now for the second time where we kind of did change that coverage up a little bit um when we needed to and it worked so i think that's just something else that i think fans might get frustrated and if they're watching home wondering like why the hell are we just letting mitchell and garland keep pulling up for like these seemingly almost uncontested shots and again i think that's Partially by design and partially trying to take everything else away, um, and you know it's a bit of a give and take. And they were both hot tonight, and that's how they stayed in the game. But good to see we were able to pull it out when we had to. Um, another thing about Porzingis, nice on to, off- yeah, go ahead.
1: It's it's nice to see too. Just a sidebar that Joe is willing to switch up the defense if things are going aren't going the way they were. Yeah. I think. I mean, I'm not. He's not. It's not like he's stubborn. Or he's been stubborn in the past, but. He seems more willing to change the game plan or make, you know, in-game adjustments and he's doing a better job at it than maybe he did last year, um, yeah. which, you know, is, should be what's ha- what's going on with, you know, just having another year under his belt and being a second year NBA head coach and having a good coaching staff behind him. So um, I'm just, that's that's something I'm happy to see from Joe um, so far this year. And I think it's been a big improvement for him.
0: Yeah, no, I definitely agree with that. And again, I mean, part of it's stubborn, but again, like the Celtics, even as it was happening, we were steadily coming back and we're leading for most of the game after the first quarter. Um, And again, it's just like, you kind of are playing the odds at a certain point, they're going to stop making all these ridiculous shots. And it's like, in some of the games we've lost, you know, we lost that T-Wolves game and it was like, Anthony Edwards just had one of the best shooting games of his career. And he kept coming off those screens and just hitting these long twos. And, you know, in the NBA, it's like, every team is so good. And these players so good offensively, like you kind of have to pick your poison and choose what you're going to live with. And it seems like, you know, for the most part, unless we have to change, like we're committed to this drop coverage and that's what we're going to live with. And you know, yeah, if we're playing Steph Curry, maybe it's not going to work, but I think, you know, nine out of ten times it's going to work, and, and so far it has, but again, it's good to see that we have versatility, and we have optionality, when when we have to do it, we've been able to, and we've seen Al and Porzingis both be able to play in other ways, Um, I, I, I was super encouraged, by the way, Porzingis played defense in the last six minutes, and he was committed to coming up to the level on those screens and making life difficult for Mitchell and Garland, which is something in years past I haven't seen a ton of, but I thought he was, he was awesome. He did he had a really good job quietly of that last year, defending pick and roll with the wizards. And he, he showed me something tonight. So super impressed with him in the second half, really on both ends, but uh, especially the defense he played in those last six minutes where at a certain point we were coming back and I was wondering if they were just going to roll with Al. Cause it seemed like we were playing so much better, especially defensively with yeah. Al on the floor. Um, And he put KP back in. I was like, okay, this is interesting. Um, And KP stepped up and was awesome. So that was huge to see. It's also, I mean, just having KP on offense, even when he's not scoring or isn't shooting, just like the threat of him when he's picking and popping. Again, Jared Allen wants to play like the way I was describing how Porzingis plays most of the game. Jared Allen wants to sit back and drop coverage and sit under the basket. But when you are guarding someone like Porzingis, you can't do that. Um, And you saw some of those threes he started hitting. So... Again, just him being on the floor means that Jared Allen now is out almost at the three-point line, and that was opening up the lane, obviously, for Tatum, Brown, and the other guys to just go to the basket, When they, especially when they don't have Mobley. They don't have another shot blocker back there. So, again, it's, it's not always just the direct impact of Porzingis scoring or assisting. It's really just the spacing, which, you know, Joe is absolutely obsessed with spacing, but <laughs> when it kind of comes to fruition, you can see why this is just pace and space, pace and space, pace and space. And when we do that and like move the ball, play quickly, and everyone's spaced out like that, we are just so damn hard to defend that you really just kind of have to hope that our guys miss open shots.
1: Yeah, that's, I think that's when the game started to turn in our favor is when we realized that, you know, we had to play, play this team inside out with no Mobley. Um, you know, Jason and Jalen, I mean especially Jalen in the first, our only you know, we were he was scoring, you know, taking it to the rim. Everyone else was, you know, shooting jump shots and missing. But then end of the first, uh, into the second is when Tatum realized that he can pretty much get whatever he wants down low. Um, and I think once we started getting easy shots at the rim, that's what started opening up, you know, the three point line, everyone started moving and when we play when we do when we drive and kick, I think that's some of our best offense, um, yeah, you know, playing oh, on yeah. screens, getting, getting, getting to the rim, finding the open guy or getting an easy, you know, an easy layup or a dunk or whatever it is. So, uh, when we get away from crashing the board, I think it's kind of, um, when we get in our own, you know, get in our own way. But, um, that, that was probably the torn, turning point for us is when we, we realized, you know, if KP is pulling Jared Allen out, there's nobody down there to, there's nobody yeah. down there to defend the rim. So, mm-hmm. uh, it was good. I mean, it was nice to see adjustment-wise, and um, ultimately I think that's what that and, you know, tightening up the defense is probably what turned the game around for us.
0: Yeah. No, I, I would definitely agree with that, I thought, especially the defensive end, but good to see. Um, just a few other interesting little notes I had on the game. Cavs playing a bunch of zone, especially in the first half. Um, it's giving us a little bit of trouble. It seemed like we were getting a little dribble-happy, and they were poking the ball away a lot. We were, kept a lot of turnovers. You mentioned the sloppiness. At one point it seemed like they were playing – It was either like a 3-2 zone or almost like a modified box in one with Tristan Thompson playing up at the top and like chasing Tatum around. I'm not sure how much that was by design, but... So it was fascinating. Um, They were switching their coverages a ton, which seemed to be bothering us a little. And again, I mean a ton of zone, which is trying to kind of prevent what I was mentioning with Allen getting dragged out by Porzingis. And it it seemed like it was working at times, but we were able to move the ball and figure it out. So that was good to see Um, zone obviously has been a bit of a bugaboo for the Celtics in the past. So it's nice to see them be able to adjust and figure that out on the fly pretty quickly without, um, you know, leading to some disasters like we've seen in the past. Um, Another interesting note: In the fourth quarter, we started with the lineup of Pritchard, Hauser, Jalen, Al, and Luke. Uh, just not a lineup. I'm not. I'm. I don't want to say I haven't seen it at all this year, but we definitely haven't seen it much. And that was, I think, the game was. It was tied or it was, you know, a one possession game and those guys held their own. I thought, you know, we already mentioned the bench. Pritchard, I thought, had a really nice game, only scored six points, but he kind of did a bit of everything and brought great energy on a couple occasions. Hauser, that was when he got really hot. I think he made at least two out of his threes, uh, kept us going. Jalen was really kind of like owning almost like a leadership role with that bench unit there. It seemed like he was really kind of taken over and just continued to play really smart, making the right passes. I thought we were overall really good passing game, uh, moving the ball all around by everyone so that was cool to see and then the only other thing I had second game in a row was just an out, bizarre bizarre jump ball situation uh, we talked about last game the Pritchard Hartenstein I believe it was jump ball it was just super weird that I neither guy touched um and Porzingis came in and grabbed that I've never really seen before and then the one tonight with Jalen and Tristan Thompson who obviously were teammates for a bit um That was, I don't even know what was happening. It seemed like the ref was, it was like partially the ref was like pump faking the jump for what felt like a solid minute of uh, Brown and Thompson like wrestling for space to have like the upper hand. They were both kind of like pulling each other's hands down. The ref was like, kept fake jumping it. Um, It seemed like it went on forever. Um, And then finally, finally jumped it up and and Brown won the tip. But uh, again, just like, it it looked like they were just
1: being like. They were just palling around, being like goofy, like slapping each other hands away. It's like, all right, that's cute, but like, let's. Right. let's but get it just this like over. didn't end. <laughs> it went on no, just for, like
0: bizarrely long. So, again, uh, that's, you know, now two straight games. So I can't wait to see what. Outrageous jump ball situation we have next game, but uh, overall that's really all I have. Again, good win against a good team that's playing well. Um, and again, I love these kind of little mini series, like almost like a baseball series where we play them back to back. So we played them tonight at home. We'll play them again Thursday at home, and then I think that just adds a little extra juice. Where you know you you just saw this team usually in the regular season. You're not you're not really making adjustments. Um, you're not really game planning for specific teams a lot. Uh, so I think it'll be cool to see that, and obviously, you know, you play a team twice in three days. There's going to be some a little extra, a little extra between the two teams, and I think there's already a little bit between this with between you know Mitchell seems to have this kind of rivalry with the Jays. Obviously, he likes playing in Boston. You know, you saw Niang, the Methuen guy. He loves playing here, and um, Tristan. You know, who knows? Shout what out to his the new, on the new
1: contract. Is. Yeah, the uh, the G wagon with the new G wagon yep, as
0: well. So we love Bought that. A he's, uh, he's a Methuen guy. I used to live in Methuen, so props to him. I'm I'm sure you know he's crushing, crushing a uh, good good home cooking tonight. Um, happy for George, but overall, um, that's really it. I think. Uh, any other any other thoughts on this game before we
1: jump around the league a little bit? Uh, the twenty six for twenty six from the line was very yeah. encouraging. That bears repeat um, definitely. Yeah, and that was you know we've had I think overall we're a pretty good free throw shooting team because I mean we should be we don't have a bad free throw shooter on our roster really so um, but it's, it was a night that we kind of you know put it all together and we should you know I'm not saying we should be 100 percent from the free throw line every night but <laughs> um, we should be a very good free throw free throw shooting team, and that's a big advantage to have against, you know, most teams, because um, most teams have, you know, a couple free throw shooters that aren't, you know, yeah. above average, but um, so, mm-hmm. that was nice to see, and then uh, I didn't see the replay, but, you know, that remember that foul they called, that blocking foul they called on Drew late in the fourth? Yeah, when they turned it over. I didn't see the replay, but they turned it over, and then it looks like, it looked like they called a blocking foul on Drew after the ball, like, already went out of bounds yeah like a so very drew, late call
0: it, well yeah exactly I, I don't think it was necessarily a bad call again they didn't show the replay so i saw drew was kind of stepping in trying to take a charge on the uh kick out and it seemed like he was just like a little late so I, th- I thought the call was fine but yeah just outrageously late it was like they waited and then saw that it. like i think if he had just kicked it out and the possession continued the refs would have let it go but when they saw that he threw it away they're yeah. like oh shit we should probably call this um i, I just hate when they seem like they're reacting to the result instead of the play um exactly so again if so, you called yeah. it in the moment i think i would have been fine with it but yeah just super delayed call glad obviously it didn't end up yeah. mattering but
1: um, yeah called, one of the it's just like I, like you said i hate it when i see that when you know they make a call because of you know the player like you know when someone takes it to the tries it, uh misses a layup but right wait until you know wait to see they wait until in. they miss yeah. it yeah wait to see it goes in and i out. hate that it's 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 lame, but uh um, like <laughs> no, Probably the right call, and it did, it didn't, it didn't make a difference. But whatever, it was still no. kind of funny at the moment.
0: Yeah, and um, just one other thing with the refing. Obviously, you know, we're not going to complain much about the refs when we have a 26 to nine free throw attempt advantage on the night. But I think fans, some people will probably just look at the box score and see, oh, 26 free throws to nine. Like, what, wow, what, what a shitty, you know, officiating game. Like they're favoring the Celtics, whatever, blah blah blah. But like again, this is one where I think if you watch the game, the Cavs were shooting pull-up jumpers and floaters basically the entire game. The Celtics were just going into the paint, backing down, going to the rim. So, like, I think those free-throw numbers don't reflect lopsided officiating so much as reflect the way that each team was playing, where one team was clearly being aggressive, attacking, forcing contact, and the other team was playing, you know, a much more finesse style on offense. Um, And those two guys, you know, most of their shots were pull-up jumpers or floaters so there was they weren't drawing a ton of contact so um i don't know maybe the calves and their fans might see it differently but i didn't think there was I, d- I thought the discrepancy was reflective of the way the teams were playing
1: yeah i wasn't as pissed off with the officiating as i have been <laughs> most this year but like I <laughs> said nope, i'm not sure no if technical. it's because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly uh, nobody got so, a yeah, jacket amazing I, I don't know if it's because uh you know, we like you said, they that that huge free throw discrepancy, but yeah, refs yeah. not a bad night.
0: Yeah, no, and again, I mean, obviously, play them again on Thursday, so it'll be interesting to see mm-hmm. if uh, it's a similar similar discrepancy, and again, if teams are kind of playing similarly and the uh, the shot charts are and the shot variety are similar, then you would imagine it would be kind of a similar result. But we will see on Thursday. That should be fun. Um, but anyway, let's jump around the league a little bit, Nick why don't you start us off? What do you, what do you got that you want to talk about going on elsewhere in the NBA?
1: Um, all right. So I haven't gotten to, uh, give my conclusion on the in season tournament. Mm. I think you guys were able to hit it, but, um, on the last episode, but, uh, I think, you know, I think there's nothing really I can say that you guys. didn't say, I just want to put my stamp on it. It was unbelievable, resounding success. Um, mm-hmm. good for the NBA. Uh, I mean, maybe the next year they'll make the courts a little bit um, less like ice skating rinks, but... Uh, <laughs> more. I'm looking for more way. colors. Well, more colors, but less uh, less slippery, I think, yeah. is That'd what I'm hoping nice. for. Ah, gotcha, um, gotcha. But yeah, I mean, there was a lot of skeptics. I was one of them at the beginning, and I really don't know any anyone who didn't like it by the end. It's basically unanimous that people who weren't a fan at the beginning or who weren't even like huge basketball fans were like... That was pretty cool because I mean, yeah. there's no denying it was. So um, happy with that. Just wanted to, I loved everything. Just, just wanted to the, second that.
0: Everything other than the result with the
1: Lakers. Right, program. of course. I mean, <laughs> thoughts real quick meaningless the series. Lakers
0: hanging a banner for the
1: in-season tournament. <laughs> that, was, announced that was actually that was there. And uh, I mean, if we won it all, I'd say that's pretty cool. <laughs> but the Lakers hanging a banner for the in-season tournament. I mean, come on, guys. Yeah. You're obviously gonna make fun of them. I think it's.
0: I think they're one of the franchises, much like the Celtics, who can easily get away with it because they have the pedigree and history and all those rings. Yeah. Whereas, like, if the Pacers won and have no NBA titles and they're hanging this in-season banner, everyone would have just been It's The only them apart. banner
1: in the entire arena. Yeah. yeah exa- exactly. Exactly. Yeah, so. so it's it's easy
0: for the Lakers to do it, and now they did it. So now everyone'll do it. So it's whatever. Again, I think all the things that people are making fun of in five years, we're just gonna accept this as like a thing and be like, oh, cool. Yeah
1: yeah no, that'd be cool it's not like a western conference champion banner or anything it's like they actually won they were the yeah. last one standing so it's, it's fine it's whatever i don't really care <laughs> um uh what do i have john morant coming back expected to be back on the 19th from his 25 game suspension so that'll be yep. interesting um yeah i think i just saw too that he uh what did he say um he testified that he was <laughs> defending himself in that case with the little boy that he punched in the face. Did you see the Something video like that? So, I didn't. I don't. No, I didn't see the video. I just saw the article solid saying that. solid court that's pretty, video that's
0: of uh, him on the stand exp- explaining how to uh, how a ball is checked in a pickup game properly and oh, improperly. Goodness. It's a solid two minute back and forth with him and. <laughs> I, I believe it must be the other lawyer, as he's up on the stand um, yeah. with the basketball, and, like, the guy's is like, so, like, do you do a bounce pass, do you do a chess pass, like, am I too close to you, should I be farther away, um, it's pretty funny, it, it seems like, like, how can this be real life, um, it's like, he's, like, an expert witness on, like, checking the ball in and, and picking up. and he's, like, saying, he's, like, yeah, he's, like, sometimes, like, you have to pass it in first, sometimes you can just dribble, like, it's... It's absolutely ridiculous. That's something. It's that's very happening. confusing.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah. So yeah. that was so, that was funny. But well. yeah, and the Grizzlies. I mean, they obviously started awful. Their record's still pretty bad, but they've managed to somewhat tread water to the point where, if Jaw comes back and they play well, like you know, now that this play in, in years past, before the play in tournament, they their season would probably already be over. Now they can definitely get to the the ten seed, you know, or better. So. Oh, yeah. You know, which again, I think is good. Like you want, you don't want teams giving up after a quarter of the season. So, you know, I think at this point, they convince us well, Ja is coming back. Marcus should be back soon. Bain's been playing awesome. Jaron Jackson hasn't been playing great, but he's just so clearly overtasked. So, So, um, you know, I think all of the guys will kind of settle back into their roles. Hopefully they get some momentum going because, you know, that's a team that out west, I think we, we both for the most part like and enjoy. And, you know, I'd like to see them get in the mix and uh, make a run down the stretch here.
1: Yeah, the you know the West is obviously pretty loaded, um, but there's you know there's a lot there's a lot of congestion in the middle, the middle of the you know, the middle of the uh, Western Conference out there. So there's no reason why they can't like you said they can't get hot and sneak into the you know the end of the plane or something. Um, so yeah. that'll be another nice dynamic dynamic to see to an add to an already you know great season so far. Um, Let's see. Oh, the Wizards and Capitals moving to Virginia, seemingly. Um, Yeah. I don't really know if that means much, but it's just going to be interesting (laughs) that they're not going to be in D.C. Uh, I don't know. I I mean, I guess it's like, you know, the Giants playing in, you know, New Jersey or whatever, but um, I don't know. It's just, I don't know why he'd want to leave D.C. proper. So,
0: my initial thought, I thought the same thing at first. I was like, wow, why would he want to do that? But then I was like, does anyone go to Wizards games in DC? Like they have no real fans or following anyway. So maybe yeah. making it more of a destination will make more fans like actually go. In a weird way, um, yeah. I don't know. I texted my brother. He went to school in Virginia and lived in DC for a while. Um, he said feels he felt like the owners of you know him and Snyder have been trying to move in that direction for years. Um, and now I guess the the governor is on board for it. So he felt like this was kind of a long time coming. Um, like I said. Without really living around there and understanding the dynamics, I'm not totally sure what this means, but I feel like the Wizards have basically no fans, no following, and they never seem like they have a home court advantage, so I don't think it can really hurt.
1: Right, yeah, so that'll be interesting to see. I mean, it sounds like they want to put together some, like, you know, mega arena out there or whatever, so that yeah. might be cool. Um, why not? So... <laughs> Uh, we got that the athletic player and coach polls I don't know how recent these are but I was just looking at them on um, the athletic there was a couple interesting ones um, Celtics related so okay. uh, Drew Holiday was the only unanimous first team all defensive player by the coaches voted on by the coaches and he was player uh, he was voted by the players as the best defender by a very wide margin um so this is, I mean, it's inter-
0: interesting I thought
1: are you sure was this before the
0: season or this was recent you're saying? or you're not sure.
1: Mm, I don't know if it was in season or <laughs> it was just, uh, I was going through it. I forget I can try and pull it up, but either way, I thought it was interesting polls. Um, gotcha. And they also had the uh, the players say officiating number one biggest issue facing <laughs> the NBA. Shocker. Over twenty-five percent of the votes, which was like double the next highest one. What so, came in second? Um, just
0: out of curiosity, do you know?
1: Uh, I don't have it up, but it was. Um, <laughs> I mean, oh, I think it was load management I think it was load management. Or something. Gotcha. Like that. Um, but I mean, it was basically it was basically uh, refereeing and then everything else. And that doesn't seem to have changed much. So, <laughs> no. um, other than that. P.J. Tucker, not happy with his role. If he gets spot out, any interest in him for the Celtics? Ooh. Uh, Is he well, beyond first of washed all, or?
0: No. Well, it's a tough one. I Honestly, I don't know that he's – didn't they sign him to some crazy deal? I'm not sure they can really buy him out. The Sixers signed him to like a three-year or three- or four-year deal. I think I don't think he has – it's on his last year. Really? So I'm, I, I'm pretty sure he has at least one more guaranteed year left at like – over 10 mil so i don't think a buyout is happening um i i I don't know i i wouldn't say i have no interest in him if he were available but i don't think i don't think that's a, a realistic option um but if it was i mean yeah sure he could be you know back up back up wing depth why not
1: yeah i mean he's you know I mean, doesn't he doesn't, he doesn't score? Pedigree, but... he, doesn't, he
0: doesn't score. He's really just no, a good personality. No. But uh, right.
1: yeah. But that's no, uh doesn't do much for me. That's what that's all I got for around the league. Um, all right, cool. Good what stuff. Do you got?
0: I got a few other things. So uh, another we've seen just awesome games so far with OKC and Golden State, where it seems like it's that old guard, young guard. It's almost like a growing rivalry. Um, they had a game. A few weeks ago, that uh, Chet hit a nasty turnaround three at the buzzer to force overtime, and then OKC won in overtime. This time, we had a similar result, except uh, Draymond fouled Chet, and he hit all three free throws again to force overtime. So, so another amazing clutch ending to Chet, and then the Thunder won in overtime. Um, they're 3-0 and now against the Warriors, which isn't saying a ton, because the Warriors have been really bad, but the Thunder are just good. Um, and it's not just their offense, their defense is really good, and Chet is like... He might be an all-star as a rookie. He's been one of the best defenders, arguably in the whole league. And on offense, he's like he's not really forcing it, not doing a ton, but he is um, kind of just like picking his spots, doing what he needs to, and be, just being a really good kind of almost fitting in on that offense. And he's only going to get better as are kind of the, a lot of those guys. So that team is awesome. They're fun, and and Chet Holmgren has been really good. And he he also kind of seems like he you know has that dog in him, so to speak. Uh, they were super fired up. I don't know if you watched this game at all, but they were going crazy. They kind of, like, accidentally recreated that old Thunder picture when Durant, Harden, and Westbrook were, like, all screaming in the air at the same time. That pic that went viral with, like, the uh, – it was, like, the mom-made pizza rolls caption. Um, <laughs> and it was, like, almost the same pic with uh, Chet, Shay, and uh, – I forget if it was Dort or J-Dub, but it was, like, all three of them just, like, kind of yelling in each other's faces and – uh Chet posted it with like the same caption <laughs> He's like mom made pizza rolls next to their picture it was cool and it's just awesome to see like this young team that's so confident so fired up and they asked one of them I think it was Dort they asked about it and he's like why were you guys all yelling and he's like I don't know he's like I just saw Shay yelling and he's like and Shea's never yelling so then I started yelling and <laughs> we're all yelling so it's uh, contagious it, funny. It, it is and I mean they're just super fun team and the fact that they're already this good is I mean it's a little scary but it's 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 fun, and I mean, again, just another super fun team in that West, so uh, it's fun. Speaking of the West and rookies, Wemby, you know, the Spurs, they keep losing. I think they're up to 16 straight losses now, but Wemby... Lately, they've moved him to the five, and he has really picked it up. His defense has suddenly become elite. Uh, he had his first 2020 game the other night: he had 21 points, 20 rebounds, and four blocks. He's hit five blocks in a few games lately, um, and he's he's kind of doing it all. And he, again, he seems like he, the losing is affecting him. He's getting pissed. This guy really wants to win, and you gotta feel like it's coming. Um, you know, not probably not this year, as they can you know continue to lose, but. Weminyama has proven that he he is the real deal. He had 15 points, 18 rebounds last night with five blocks, and that's – the kid's a rookie, and that's just becoming like a standard box score for him yeah. <laughs> to put up, you know, 15-plus yeah. points and rebounds and, you know, four or five blocks. is crazy. And he just seems like he gets better every time he takes the court. So it hasn't resulted in winning yet, but but you know it's coming. Um, So just cool yeah, to see these young players play so well.
1: He's such a unique player, obviously, that even a coach like Popovich is probably going to – it's probably going to take a little while to figure out how to use yeah. how to like best utilize him. So, um, you know, like you said, moving him to the five, maybe that was you know maybe that was the key or whatever. I'm sure yeah. he can play basically anywhere, um, but I think you know it's going to take probably a year or two before Popovich yeah. can really
0: figure out how to
1: really utilize him. Fun. So they shouldn't be in any going to be fun to see. Shouldn't
0: be in any huge rush, but yeah, you can already see no. the potential and more than the potential. I mean, you can see the results already with Wemby and. You know, like I said, only going to get better. So, another exciting guy for the league, obviously. Um, Mitchell Robinson, we mentioned that he didn't play a ton that last Celtics-Knicks game. Turned out that was at least in part because he got hurt. Uh, ankle injury, just had surgery out eight to ten weeks. So pretty big blow for the Knicks. Um, you know, he's, he's good down there. That Hartenstein's good, but, uh, you know, he's going to have to obviously play a lot more. And Robinson is just a beast on the, on the boards. One of those guys who just goes out there and grabs 12, 15 rebounds, kind of just by being there, uh, huge rim protector, obviously. So big loss for the Knicks and the, you know, for their defense, that's already been floundering a little bit lately. So we'll see how they can tread water without him. Um, the other thing, not sure if you saw this, we had mentioned a few weeks ago on the show, after uh, a Warriors at Suns game, Steve Kerr kind of went off in his presser, ripping the Suns arena, saying that it's just too loud, you can never hear anything, and that they don't never stop playing music. And it's, I think he said it's like a South Beach club in there, and they're just bumping this techno music. He he went full old man yelling uh, for like... <sighs> A solid 30 seconds to a minute tangent. Yeah, that was a few weeks ago. Now, I don't know if you saw the other night in the Footprint Center in Phoenix, the Suns DJ on the court had like a techno remix where he had put in Steve Kerr's quotes into the song. Yeah. Um. So it was like Kerr repeatedly saying... Yeah, it was. He said, it was a curve, basically, his, his, his speech, and then with him saying, like, they're bumping techno music, as the beats building, they're bumping techno music, they're bumping, so, <laughs> absolutely hilarious, uh, love this kind of stuff, and currently, the Warriors are playing in Phoenix right now at the Footprint Center, I've got it on in the background, obviously no sound, but I need to know if they're going to play that during this game um i'm i'm hoping they've been blasting the techno nonstop since the since warm-up started um so you know i hate all of this like pettiness and anything that resembles a rivalry in the nba so i i'd hope that this continues and i think that that's absolutely hilarious um hugely in favor of anything along these lines so love to see that um and I just had a couple small Celtics notes uh, before the end. One, the Celtics waived Nathan Knight tonight. Uh, so sorry, I know he's been your favorite player for a long time. I know what do you afford Nathan Knight Celtics jerseys? Is it or uh, something like that? So I don't. Or are you going to keep those? Are you going to make a shrine for Nathan Knight? I don't know. Um, you'll yeah, have to figure I'm, that out. I so. mean, those aren't. Sorry those, for you. Yeah, if, I was are, breaking that news.
1: <laughs> I'm not breaking the hermetic seal on those. Those going to be worth something yeah oh yeah
0: okay so sad sad news i don't i don't know and i haven't even really begun to look into it or speculate if this move is being done for any reason other than that there's just no reason to have him on the team anymore um if there's going to be a corresponding move they need a roster spot whatever i mean i think i doubt it but something to watch nevertheless always interesting to just be kind of waving a guy like that in the middle of the year um another bit of like Celtics roster housekeeping that might have flown under the radar. I'm not sure if people really realize this, but the um the Celtics have a 6.2 million trade exception from Grant Williams. If they are to acquire a player with that trade exception, they would have to wait 2 months before trading that player. So, why is that important? Because million trade exception cannot be aggregated with anything else. Um, So, that's something that I think is a common misconception out there. You can't add that that trade exception to anything else. So, if the Celtics are going to use that trade exception, they can only acquire a player who makes 6.2 million dollars or less. Which is a very limited list of players that would actually be useful. So, uh, in, in itself, that doesn't do much for us. But... The Celtics could acquire a player with the $6.2 million trade exception, have him on the roster for two months, then trade him, and then that player could be aggregated. So it would be nice to get a $6 million salary to add into trade for matching purposes. However, that deadline expired two days ago because now if we use that trade, that exception, the player will not be on the roster long enough before the... February eighth trade deadline. So essentially, the two month window has passed. So we will not be able to add six million dollars worth of salary to aggregate into a trade. We can still use the trade exception, but only to acquire a player who makes six point two million or under. Um, we can't acquire a player and then aggregate add that player into a larger deal. We couldn't put piece him with you know Pritchard, other minimum guys to reach like a ten million, twelve million dollar salary. So um, again, there's been talk about the Celtics being in the trade market, but it's just really hard for me to picture any way that we can make any meaningful upgrade with kind of the assets and the contracts at our disposal without trading a really, you know, I don't, I don't think we're going to trade like Horford or something. So, um, without that, again, I just don't know who we can trade for anyone who makes that low of money and would actually upgrade the team. So yeah. Long, I mean, we don't, we don't really, we don't really have, any description, we but.
1: don't really have a lot of, uh, you know, tradable contracts for right. players that aren't significant pieces of the team right now, like we yeah. have in the past. Um, I mean, right now our roster is basically built, you know, to precision. Every, you know, every contract is, you know, every player is crucial. Their contract is, right. you know, and everyone's we, we have them because it. we need them. Yeah, and everyone's reasonably paid. So it's like, okay. we, it's not like we have guys that we can just float out there and make these mega trades anymore. It's like, yeah. We, I think we can either find a, like a bit player is.
0: a bit player for that yeah. 6 million dollar exception or it's probably like the buyout market cuz again I I just don't see any other realistic trading path to getting a player who will
1: be worth acquiring. Yeah, and it is it is interesting that a lot of people still don't understand that whole uh TPE and how you can't combine it with other I mean, I guess like How many years of
0: TPEs do we have to go through as Celtics fans before, like, you should know every element of a TPE without looking like this? Yeah,
1: we've been rolling through TPEs since the the Danny Ainge era, and you know, it's kind of the point where I think, like, you know, if if you've never seen it before, it could be confusing, but we deal with it like twice a year, so yeah. Let's just let's let's let this be the the catalyst for everyone finally understanding how. Yes. Hopefully
0: you listened to corner. Hopefully, so <laughs> hopefully I broke that down. Hopefully I broke that down in a way that was simple enough to understand um, why it was impo- why it was relevant, basically, why it's worth talking about. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Excellent. And then the only other thing I had um, I don't know if you heard this, but on the, the old man in the three, JJ Reddick's podcast, he did like a solid 40 or so minute one on one interview with Porzingis. Uh, which I thought was pretty cool. I went out of the way to listen to that. Um, heard some, you know, some really nice authentic cuts. They were teammates for a little bit in Dallas. So they obviously had a little bit of a relationship, but they talked about a lot of things, um, you know, how kind of it ended in New York, why it didn't work out in Dallas, how much he's matured as a person and as a player, how well he fits in Boston, how excited he is about the team, about winning, how, awesome Derek White is and how surprised he was to realize how damn good he was playing with them. It was funny at one point he was kind of saying how it's everyone kind of gets mad at Derek because they're so used to him, like always making the right play that on the odd circumstance where he kind of screws up, they're all like, so pissed like how could you do this (laughs) just because he's so rock solid so that was kind of funny um but you know he's saying you know just how awesome Tatum and Brown are how much fun he's having and and also how much he's kind of aware of the perception that he can't get it done in the playoffs and how important it is for to him to prove that that's just an unfounded and unfair criticism and that he's excited to get into the playoffs to make an impact and to help win a championship. So, uh, cool to listen to as a Celtics fan, you know, for a guy who's pretty well known, I feel like I haven't really heard him talk a ton. Um, so it was cool to hear just kind of a genuine 40 minute conversation of him just being himself. Um, Felt like I got to know him a little bit. Heard a lot of good things, so I recommend any Celtics fan. Again, that's the old man in the three is the name of the podcast. I, it was I probably episodes about a week old at this point, but uh, if you're interested in hearing a long, uh, pretty open interview with Porzingis, I recommend checking that out. Yeah,
1: he seems like an interesting guy, and like you said, I haven't really don't really know much about him outside of basketball. Um, so it is nice to kind of get to know him, and he does genuinely seem excited about being here, and um, you know he has... Is- he seems like a funny guy and he's got you know he's got things to say so he's he's been entertaining and um happy to have him here and he seems to be enjoying his time so far so
0: <laughs> yeah definitely look forward to uh growing more with Porzingis and experiencing more more <laughs> success so it was cool again to kind of hear him on a personal level so good stuff there and uh that that's all I got for tonight I don't know about you any any anything else or uh that's it for me. All right, cool. Well, uh, as we mentioned, we will be back Thursday night for part two of the Celtics-Cavs game. Again, special shout-out to Nick Perrano joining us tonight. Nick, we appreciate it. Again, dugouts, congrats on hitting that chutty bar. We understand, uh, you know, reason to pop bottles and things, you know, we all get carried away, a little too much celebrating, not able to come on to the podcast. That's oh understandable. Get well Get well soon. We are expecting he's we're seeing he's officially listed as probable for Thursday night. We're hoping to uh, get him off the injury report by Thursday morning, but you can expect it to be back to usual programming with dugouts and myself. Thanks as always to Nick for filling in. We know this will not be the last time this season. Great spot duty, great analysis as always. We appreciate it, and we, of course, appreciate uh, the great support of Chuddy's Corner as well as the wonderful sponsorship with NickPerino.com, home for all your real estate needs. So, again, make sure you go follow the show. Subscribe on Apple, Spotify, Google. Check out the YouTube feed, all of that. The more places you subscribe, the better. You can uh that could unlock, you know, premium Chuddy's Corner membership status, which is absolutely huge. Um once once you become a VIP member, you're gonna unlock all of this bonus uh content that, you know, is just gonna blow your mind. So anywhere you can get a podcast, subscribe, like, give us a rating, give us a
1: review. Again, don't forget Nick to check Perino. out the weekly com. power rankings either.
0: Exactly. Those weekly power rankings just Nick came Perino. out yesterday. Com. On the blog, fresh batch out yesterday. They'll be out every Monday. Check those out. And, of course, always check us out on Twitter. At Chuddy's Corner is the show. We're live tweeting every game. We're mixing it up uh, game day morning. We're giving keys to the game. That's where you can find the Chuddy's Bar Parlay made by Dugouts. Again, huge hit tonight. Uh, he is raking it in. He, he, I don't know. I don't want to speak for him, but he is probably blacked out at a strip club somewhere spending all that hard-earned Chuddy Bar money. Good for him. Um, And again, we'll not be at practice tomorrow. No, no, no. Well, no practice tomorrow. Tomorrow's an off day for sure. Scheduled rest day tomorrow uh, so that we hope for full strength for Thursday. Follow him at Doug underscore outs. Follow Nick at underscore Nick Perino. Follow me at King Chuddy. Again, the show's at Chuddy's Corner. We appreciate all the support. We will be back on Thursday night for another Celtics-Cavs game from the Garden. Your final tonight, yet again, 120-113. Celtics win, 17-5 and on the season, first place in the Eastern Conference, 11-0 at home, the only team with a perfect home record. That's your Boston Celtics. Great night. Thanks for joining us. Peace out, Shuddyheads.
1: Good night, Shudlings.